today on the Tim Miller podcast show, we've got the fucking savage, Megan Henry. <laughs> um, performance, mindset coach, mindset coach, mental performance coach. That's right. Talk to me about being on Team USA. What's the skeleton? What is that? So if you don't know what skeleton is, it is like luge, but head first. So it's a winter sliding sport, takes place on an ice track, going head first, 80 miles an hour. You're basically laying on a lunch tray (laughs) and you experience five Gs of force. How did you get into that? I was recruited. So I played sports in college and I played field hockey, I ran track and... In the U.S., it's a little bit different than in GB, but in the U.S., we're kind of a little bit behind, so they recruit from college sports a lot of the time, and GB also has like a feeder program into into all of your sports, and so um, I, yeah, I was recruited to do bobsled first, actually, but I was too small, so for people listening, I'm, you know, five foot, two and a half, and I'm a hundred and... 18 pounds basically soaking wet yeah. <laughs> so i was too small for bobsled bobsled they're you know big strong if you ever saw the movie cool runnings yeah, and yeah. so um yeah i just was recruited and then i pursued it you pursued it as in did you love doing it yeah i mean i've, I've kind of always been an adrenaline junkie i've like loved doing skydiving and jumping jumping out of planes roller coasters doing sort of extreme things that are kind of testing you yeah. and so skeleton was a good fit and because it combined that thrill seeking but also the athleticism and um for my main focus for sports was field hockey for a long time and that's like because it's team oriented, you can kind of rely on other people. And right. so skeleton was a unique challenge because it required me to, it's just you, like it's just you and your results are all on you. And it really propelled me forward kind of like into mindset stuff. I really got into meditation, for example, had to become very self-aware on, I was being so much of a perfectionist while competing and it translates in in your results in skeleton. So skeleton is interesting because it's very intense, but it's controlled chaos in a way. You have to be relaxed. So you have to be relaxed and okay with going head first 80 miles per hour and just being able to disconnect from your mistakes and stuff. So it was like a really unique challenge. And um, it was- you, Did you get help with that or? Um, in what way? For the, the mental for, for the mental sort of like side of it. So I, I had to like personally seek people out. Right. Um, and I mean, the, the U.S. does provide, they have, you know, sports psychologists for the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic yeah. Committee. But I sought out different people and I kind of explored what was best for me. But what were you looking for when you were searching for that coach? Uh, I knew that my mindset was what was holding me back from excelling and it was what be- was happening are you get were you being scared or something was there, there was a no, fear I, coming what I, was it? I think it was more like the attachment to outcome and being so I what do you mean by that I think trying to like really really holding the outcome as so important versus having like the intrinsic motivation to do something wow and so um for me, I found that holding like the importance of the outcome led me to try and like force it. Cause 
I, so my nickname is the Savage Meglet. (laughs) And that comes from just me having a lot of like grit and resilience and perseverance and, you know, like being tough and all of that stuff. And the irony with skeleton and, and all sports truly is you, if you're trying to force something to happen, you create resistance. And that's true in life too, right? You create resistance when you're trying to force and you're super attached to something. Even in like a relationship, right? If you're like, I'm, I'm so needy and I need you, you create distance from the thing that you want. And so I was doing that with skeleton. I was trying to force it and I was like, well, I'm like the hardest worker and I, I do all of this training and I wake up at this time and I eat this way and, you know, trying to like force that result versus being able to be present and enjoy the process and the journey of competing and rather than forcing a result, allowing it to come naturally by just like being, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that a lot recently, a lot of people are doing and they're not being. And when when you're doing stuff, you're kind of so focused on the outcome that you actually forget the beautiful moment in the thing and you kind of relax a little bit and you actually get a better outcome by Definitely. not actually. So it make, makes perfect sense, just in life in general as well. So how, how did you do that then? How did you be? What, what helped you not focus on the outcome? How did you switch? Truly, meditation was huge. I, I really got into meditation. Um, when you I say mean, you got into meditation, what sort of meditation are you doing? Um, I mean, I was doing like just Zen, like silent meditation right, for still, a bit. Right. And then in recent years, um, I've really become a huge fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Right. Um, and so I've been to a bunch of his retreats and just spent a, like extended amounts of time in meditation to be like develop that awareness of self and also to, to create like the ability to be present. And I feel like today a lot of people want like instant gratification and things have to happen now. And we're constantly scrolling on our phones and it's very difficult for someone to just be. And a lot of people you'll notice it'll, they'll be really uncomfortable to sit in silence or like, let's say you and I go out to a restaurant and I get up to go, use the restroom, you're probably going to sit there and take out your phone, right? Because you're just like uncomfortable with being, and I'm not saying you'll do that, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in general, a lot of people yeah, do totally that because they can't that. just be. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about that in the people not being able to like just sit in their own silence. A lot of people feel it really uncomfortable, don't they, with their own thoughts. Definitely, yeah. So the meditation that you're doing, is it more of a, a guided practice that you do now or is it still sitting in silence? Are you doing some sort of mantra or are you... What sort of? I I like to do both. Right now, I've been like really deep in. I find Dr. it really Joe. interested. You know what I mean? Because I do bits of meditation. Well, I do meditation every day. Some days are like better than others, but I just I'm always wanting to get better at it. What What are you? Come on, just tell me your sort of practice. Yeah, I mean, like right now, I'm pretty deep into the like into Dr. Joe, so I do a lot of guided stuff, and then even more recently. I've gotten into some of the breath work and um, which is super, super powerful because people are constantly and myself included, we tend to breathe really shallow, right? Especially if 
it's very stressful being a human these days. There's a lot going on. There's a lot that can grab your attention and take your thoughts elsewhere. Mm. And so we tend to breathe really, really shallow. And that's where you'll, you know, you store stress in your body as well. And so if you can actually like sit for a minute and just take deep, full breaths, it's a really transformative practice. Yeah. So I've kind of started to incorporate that as well, mm. um, whether that's like Wim Hof type breathing or any yeah. breathing practice. A friend of mine, she's a yoga practitioner. She travels the world and she does breath work and stuff as well, um, doing it. And she um, she took me to the woods a couple of weeks back and showed me how to breathe. Pro- I do a lot of breath work, but like she just showed me this way of doing it when I'm doing the three-part three breath to do certain things. I'm just like, it just changed the gate. I've been doing breath work for ages. And oh, she nice. just showed, but like, I don't like the fact that she gave me a bit of a microdose before we went. So we had a little bit of mushrooms before we went and yeah. stuff. It just like, oh, wow. I was just like... That's amazing. Next level. Well, it's crazy because, you, you know, you think that how powerful that is because that's coming from inside of you. Like, yeah. right? You're having this transformative experience that's coming from within you. Yeah. And... That's another thing. I don't think people recognize their own power. And that's kind of what my where my interest lies. Um, so I say that, you know, I'm a mental performance coach, but I help athletes and elite performers, high performers, create their reality by tapping into their story and what it is that they're saying and the power of their subconscious mind. Because I think we're all high performers, right? We're all high performance vehicles. And sometimes we forget that. It's just a matter of you're not lacking it. You're you're blocking it and that's dependent on mindset, right? Mindset's just the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. And sometimes people just don't know that and they don't know the power that they have within them. And I, I think what's also really fascinating about like Dr. Joe Dispenza's work is that he's a huge proponent of like the placebo effect. You have the power to heal yourself. And is, is, um, Joe Dispenza, the guy, did he break his back? Yeah, so he was that's right, yeah. paralyzed and, that's and right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, insane story. Like, yeah. just absolutely yeah. mind-blowing yeah, I do story. like his stuff. I've never really delved properly into it, but after talking to you, I probably might need to, I think, a little bit more now. He's so cool. If you can get to a retreat, I highly recommend it because yeah. it's unreal. And just some of the stuff that you witness from... Because a lot of people who go to his retreats have, you know, a chronic yeah. illness or terminal sometimes and i mean i've seen people who are wheelchair bound that get up and then end up walking it, i mean it's it's seriously that alone that was one of the first reasons that i went i went um so i competed for team usa to kind of backtrack and i was an olympic alternate and so i didn't what's that make, mean i just, basically i was like the next person in line i was the first person who didn't make the olympic team <laughs> which was kind of a bummer but leading up to it I was like, I have to get to one of Dr. Joe's retreats. Like, this is my priority. And after COVID, you know, he finally had a retreat that was in the United States. And uh, I knew that I would see and witness things that were kind of like mind-blowing, right? And so um, I really wanted to witness it with my own eyes. And I thought that that would have a big impact on me and what I believe to be true and what is capable for, for human beings and for myself. And, um, and it was, but I think, so one of the reasons I didn't make the Olympic team is because of where my attention was going and it kind of went reverted back to the focusing on the outcomes, the attachment there 
and uh, the story that I was telling myself about like the importance of making this team. And so it was interesting because I kind of reverted back to what I wanted to avoid. <laughs> but um, I learned so much in that process. And, and I believe that it makes me better equipped to help people now. So are you seeing this quite a lot of people focusing a lot on the outcomes? Because it's, you know, the sort of self-entitled, I deserve this and I need this and I want this. And you know what I mean? Everybody's kind of, instead of actually just sitting with themselves and stuff. Definitely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of pressure and a, a lot is self-imposed pressure to perform and accomplish and achieve and do. And uh, we, it, it's just, I it's interesting the stories that we tell ourselves about other people and their expectations of us and um, which may not be true because actually, you know, if you're walking on the street, people aren't really concerned about you. They've got their own stories in their mind that they're thinking about. So they're not really expecting you to do something or going to be as disappointed in you as you think that they might be if you don't achieve X, Y, and Z. Um, and that is like, that's a huge interest of mine, just the, the psychology and how people think, why they think that way. And um, yeah, that's just the stories we tell ourselves and how can we change the story and tell a better one and help us achieve what we want to accomplish. What do you love more doing the the competing or doing the, the sort of like the men, <laughs> mental work now? Is it, has it shifted over time? Are you still doing fitness? Are you still doing... Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so I retired from Skeleton last year mm -hmm. and I knew long before that I would be transitioning into mental performance. I knew that that was the next step for me because I had such an interest in it while I was competing. And so I most recently competed in a Olympic weightlifting competition. So I'm still doing stuff kind of, I believe if you're going to be good at what you do, you have to be practicing it as well and applying it as well. Why have well. you gone to Olympic weightlifting? Um, I used it in training for skeleton and just... Just explosive power. Yeah, definitely. And so I, uh, I'm i 35 years old, so I competed in a master's uh, national championship and I won. I won the competition. Really? And so I'm a national champion, but the master's level. And uh, I dropped two weights. That's classes. the first time you've done it? Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've done Olympic lifting, like I said, in training. But not competitively. Uh, I did years ago, like in 2015, I, right. I competed, but not because I was doing skeleton. It was just kind of like an aside. So this was the first like big competition that I did. So, yeah. Got that, it? Yeah, it was And good. you carry on doing it now? Um, I'm not sure. So, so I dropped two weight classes, which is um, 10 kilos, which is a lot. I'm fairly small. So it was a lot of weight. So I was really tiny. Um, I did it because I saw the opportunity and that alone took a lot of, you know, mental toughness to, to do that. And, um, so I'm kind of like recovering from that <laughs> and coming back from that. I would compete again for sure. I think that I'd like to explore other things athletically. Um, like what? Uh, powerlifting, yeah. maybe masters track and field, and then also like fitness competition. I know people kind of are like, oh, well, bodybuilding, like they're just, yeah. they just go and they work out, but there's a lot that goes into it. And mindset is really big in there too. So, so I'd like you to explore say exploring and searching and just kind of, you know, trying to get yeah. everything. Definitely. I um, like, I, I really like competing. I really loved it. And that that's the thing that I miss the most about 
like from skeleton. Uh, I loved competing. But you like individual events, not team events, where you're relying on yourself. Um, I think there's more of a challenge there that that is appealing, which is crazy because most of my life was on was team team sports, and um, so I'm also in the military for the U.S. And one of the reasons I joined was because of that, like the team aspect. What do you mean you're in the military for the U.S.? What I'm in mean? the army for the U.S. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, hell, you do everything, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm like a jack of all trades. When, how, did, how did that come about? Then? Uh, it was something that I wanted to do since I was really young. And um, it's funny because in the U.S., the like recruiters for the army can go into the public high schools and my high school and middle school, I don't know the terms that you use in the UK not, for that, for those grade levels, but uh, our school was attached and I put my name, there was like a push-up competition that the recruiter was having, but you had to put your name and your like contact info so that they can recruit you, right? And I was like, oh, I'm going to win this push-up competition. <laughs> so you've always been a savage <laughs> right from school, basically just... Definitely, definitely. I... I it's so funny because... How competitive are you? I feel like you're really competitive where you can get a little bit, like, <laughs> weird. Weird. I don't know about weird. I think... Well, okay, so last year, my boyfriend and I played a beach volleyball game just for, like, shits and giggles, right? Yeah. And on vacation with my two friends. And I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> when we scored. And mind you, I have not played beach volleyball, like ever so it was just it's funny because if i get into it then i'll be really competitive yeah. but um but there's another side to me that is very very shy and like growing up i was really shy i was kind of really didn't talk very much so is so, that where it's come from from one extreme to the other that you put on the other side or is it just just your makeup i i don't yeah i it's just me i i joke with my boyfriend where i i'm a, was born in june so i'm a gemini so it'll be like oh gemini because there's like two different okay. sides to me <laughs> so i mean there's still i i feel like if i were to go and walk into a room there's still a part of me that is like that introvert that i'm not going to go and like overtake the room right but i'm going to observe the room first and kind of pick out like who it is that I get good vibes from and who would I associate with or want to have a conversation with. Yeah. And I'll go up and like speak to people, but I'm not going to just like go in and overtake the room. You know, that's just not, not my personality. But, um, so, so back to the push-ups, you did the push-ups. Yeah. So I did the push-up competition. This recruiter comes to my house. I'm like, I don't know, 12 years old or something. You can't join the military till you're 17. Um, and my dad opens the door and he's like, hello. <laughs> I said, this army recruiter and they're like, I'm here to see Megan. And he's like, what? And the, to the guy's credit, he came in and he like talked to me about joining the military and that stood out to me for a long time. And, um, I just always had felt like it seems unusual that, or is that like a regular thing in the U S that they do that? Or did they just see something in you that 12 year old, you were like fucking savage back then. I'm like, I think they probably were just trying to get their numbers. Like, right. you know, they're just trying to get the hit their quota. But yeah. at the same time, I, I don't know what made him come in and talk to me, but they did. And what was it that resonated with you? What, what did he say that like stuck with you? Um, I think I was just appreciative that because he knew that I wouldn't end up being someone that he recruited because I was so young. Um, that stood out to me, but I, 
I always, it was like the honor of serving your country. And that was also what was cool about competing for Team USA because I was competing for Team USA, but I also represented the Army World Class Athlete Program. And that was legit. That was so cool. But I always thought it was like an honorable thing to do to serve your country. That was one of the main reasons why I've joined. And, you know, my... I still think it's an honorable thing to do, but my perspective has kind of shifted a little bit on what I want. I'm still in the military. I'm in the reserve, but yeah, my, my perspective has shifted a bit, but, um, what has you, what, what, what shifted in your head, your perspective, what has shifted? Um, I think the, the culture of the military has changed a bit. And so, um, I just feel like I'm not really a good match for it anymore. So I'm, I don't know. We'll see. I, I still like, I really love the, um, there's a really good like family aspect to the military. And even if you don't know somebody and you meet them for the first time and they're like, Hey, I served in whatever branch. And you're like, Oh, me too. You like, there's an automatic respect for that person. You feel like you can trust them. It's very unique. I feel like you don't experience that in a lot of places. And, um, the camaraderie there, like, you know, just going through similar experiences is really attractive. I love that about the military. I've had an amazing time, a really unique career within the army. And, um, but the physical and mental challenge I think was also the most appealing part is that I am going to better myself and do something that's outside of my comfort zone by joining, by going through training and serving and, so I feel like, yeah, those are the kind of things that I've sought out in my life with the military and with, with sports. I just, I like that. Do you always need challenge. to be challenged? You you always, you always <laughs> need a challenge. Do you ever actually just, just apart me? from the, yeah, <laughs> apart from the meditation, do you actually just, do, 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 can you have a day off? Can you? I do. And, but it makes me feel, I don't want to say bored, but yeah, it's like, I, I feel like I'm not maximizing my potential and I I feel like it's almost being stagnant right and so for me um like we come to planet earth and we have different drives and different desires for a reason and mine was to be to express that athletically to like bring that light and that power and express it athletically and now also through the mindset and I work with other people who aren't athletes but that's where my passion lies because there's so much that goes into sport and competing. There's like all of these aspects of the human experience that, you know, within just like a football game, for example, there's so many highs and lows that mimic life itself in that, in just this like couple of hours, there's so many things that can transpire. And so I think that's, what's so attractive to me about like sports in general. Um, and yeah, I mean, if I'm not pursuing something athletically, I feel very lost. And I I experienced that after retirement from skeleton. I felt like, what am I doing? Like, yeah, I'm going to the gym on my own and it's cool because now I can do whatever I want in the gym. I'm not training for performance. But then I was like, I kind of feel like I, I don't have a purpose when I'm here. And so that's why I went to the, uh, Olympic weightlifting. I was like, I'm going to compete in this. It will give me something to to strive for and, um, and also have to 
apply some of the things that I'm talking about in terms of mindset and like routine and structure and meditation, self-talk, all of these things that I think are important for mindset and performance. I had to apply them. And so it gives you, it, it like keeps that fresh, especially if when you're trying to help other people. How do you go about helping somebody? I mean, most of the athletes you're doing, you're just, you're doing little micro things, aren't you? Just to get, get a little bit of a gain. Is it yeah, a lot of it more just reframing, changing someone's pattern in the mind? They just the perspective of what they've been thinking about is change. Give me an example that someone can just kind of. Um. So, in in my opinion, I think the self talk is one of the most important things um, for sports performance and and any performance, just confidence in general. So, um, I would say that. A lot of it comes down to that and identifying, getting clarity on what it is that you want and why. Because a lot of people are like, well, you know, I want to win this championship, but they don't know why they're doing it. <laughs> like, I want it just because, or because I want to inspire other people, or, you know, they, there should be a defining reason why, because that's what's going to carry you when you don't have the motivation to get up and go to the gym or you feel like eating a bag of Cheetos in the middle of the night or, you know, whatever it is, having that defining reason can give you guidance. It kind of is that, that, uh, like end point on your GPS. And so defining that, what's your purpose and having a clear vision for that and your goals. But also we are naturally have a negativity bias, right? We naturally Think of the worst case scenario. Everybody has that self-doubt, that fear and all of that, like negative self-talk, but it's a matter of like, can you talk to yourself more than you listen and identifying for me, affirmations are huge and they helped me accomplish so much as an athlete. And like, can we identify some affirmations that are in line with what you want? Cause you're basically brainwashing yourself to be like, this is this is the thing that I want, but it's also instruction for your subconscious mind because it's just directing you for to, to what it is that you want. And yeah. It's a tough one, that, isn't it? Because yeah. it's like, if somebody says, oh, I want that because I just want to win. I just want that. But what is it? The little person inside really wants that because they're right? like, yeah. So do, do you get, do you get into that? Yeah. So I just did this certification called, uh, in lifted and we do a bunch of story work because if you can't see learning all the time, you, you just, like, I am, I am. I'm all, I'm like, <laughs> I'm always learning. I consume information all of the time. But, um, so the Enlifted method talks about how the victim mentality is just pervasive, right? It's everywhere. Yeah, because he gets me through a workout. <laughs> little Tim oh, really? can't. Oh yeah, little Tim's going on. Yeah, you can't do that again, can you? Like, you remember what they said about you, and you can't like yeah. lift that. Yeah, yeah. But it's short term, right? That's yeah, it's short term. It's nuts. Like, it's just like you know, yeah. I'm not. I'm doing it, kind of doing it for other people, or like just putting a big yeah. facade on for it thing, but. So the victim mentality is an acquired personality trait and it's where a person tends to regard um, or they tend to see themselves as the, as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. Shit, I can't. So, I don't think you can decipher that moment. So the victim mentality is an acquired personality trait yeah. where a person 
tends to regard themselves as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. And so the victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process. So if we see that the victim mentality is a personality trait, well, so is confidence. Confidence is an acquired, it can be an acquired personality trait. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process. It's usually all of these negative things. Well, we can make confidence a habitual thought process. And we do that by changing our self-talk, change our self-talk and what we think and say, which then changes how we act, our actions and what we do. And that's like, that's like my bread and butter right now. That's where I'm working. And, but part of that has to do with addressing the little Tim stories yeah, yeah, yeah. and being like, well, why are you doing that? Or why do you see yourself as the victim of somebody who told you to yeah, put the yeah. dishes away yeah, and you yeah, like yeah. turn it into this whole story? Like, well, why is that? Yeah. <laughs> so before you can really like attack someone's goals and their vision, if you haven't addressed that stuff, eventually it's going to come back up, right? It's going to come back that like, well, you know, I'm, I really need my dad's approval for X, Y, and Z. And which is true of me. My, like I really wanted my dad's approval. And that was kind of why I was like, I have to force these results because I have this story in my mind about what my dad's going to think if I fail or what other people are going to think about me. And if you don't ever do the intrinsic work on that, then it it doesn't make it impossible. It makes it difficult to accomplish your goals. How do you do work on that? Like your, your dad, like what was your dad? What is your dad like? Um, he so he's from the south in the U.S. He's from Louisiana, and he's super tough. He's just like was uh, also a really, which is probably where I got it from. Really gritty, works really hard, and like. Um, but he was pretty strict. He was pretty strict. Uh, I have one brother. Um, and so he had high expectations. And so for me, being a really shy <laughs> person, maybe that's where that came from, the drive to like ha- have that, that, you know, the two sides to me, the ones that's like shy, but also the one that's really competitive and striving for excellence. Um, so I, I just had to do a lot of internal work. A lot of that came from meditation, but just being like, well, why do I do the things that I do and why do I feel this way? Um, what I do now is like, I'll, I would ask you to write a paragraph on, just tell me about your mother and tell me about your father. And that will eventually like go into it. Uh, it might not come out um, directly, but for example, one of the, the sheets that I would have you fill out if you were to write about your father. Mm-hmm. I'd go into the session and be like, okay, well, what's the most pressing thing for you today to talk about? And you'll find that, let's say today you're like, oh, well, I got to work with this client and I'm really concerned because X, Y, and Z. Well, somehow, because uh, I would have read through your sheet, like somehow this thing from your past will come out. Like it just, it's wild because it's all connected. Mm-hmm. And it does, it comes out somehow. <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> but it needs well, a to lot be of done. people don't. I think, I, well, I think it's. I like. I love the self talk. Now, when you say self talk, you just sat there, or you actually voice it out. I think it's so powerful to, to voice to it vo- out, right. vocalize it to yeah. yourself. Yeah. Shit. So I used to write stuff on the mirror, and I still do. I write it on the mirror in like dry erase marker. 
but I will say it to myself in the mirror because your voice carries a vibration and there's an energy to that. It's very different than yeah. you saying, well, Megan, you're really strong and you're really powerful, whatever it is. Yeah. It's very different coming from you than from me and hearing my own voice say it. Uh, it's really, really powerful and it's really powerful for the subconscious mind as well um, because that's what's directing your subconscious mind. And so... Um, start doing that. Yeah. Yeah, you and start doing that. So a lot of people will say, you know, some generic affirmations, like which I just used, like I am strong and I am powerful. But hmm. if you want to supercharge I your I want to supercharge it. I need to get underneath that. I need to underlayer yeah. it. If you want to supercharge it, you would use the word because... Because it adds, it basically closes the loop for your brain. So your brain will be like, let's say um, I say that I am strong. And your brain's like, well, no, no, you're not. Because this one time you failed that lift uh, and you did, you know, it's going to compile evidence to show you that you're wrong. <laughs> stripping away the layers to get to, right. Yeah. So if you add it, it's, all you have to do is add in the word because. You could seriously be like, I am strong because the sky is blue. And your brain will be like, oh, all right. Because, just because it's closing the loop for your brain. Um, so they found, they did this study. I can't remember what year it was and, and who did it. I don't know all the details. But the study was... If um, there was a line of people using a copy machine, I don't even know, are people still using copy machines don't at know. an office? But <laughs> they were in line to use it and the, somebody would go in to cut and be like, uh, can I get in front of you? I, I need to make a copy. And the percentage of people letting them do that was pretty low. But if they came in and they said, can I get in front of you? I need to make a copy because, and they literally said anything, the percentage went up so high that they allowed the people to get in front of them just because they gave a reason and so if you can do that for your own brain, it's super powerful. And so so what's something that, what's a goal that you have? Um, a goal that I have is to, and it's going to sound really weird, is, is to stop judging other people. Okay. Right? Um, I know it's a little bit deep, that. But I feel that sometimes I'll look at people on Instagram and I'll instantly because I kind of know the person, I know that they're not actually feeling like that. And I'd be like, and I'm just like, who am I to like, look, if that's what you want to do, that's what you need to do. <laughs> so I really want to stop judging people at the minute. Okay. Right? How can we make that a positive statement? Um, I want, I think it's because it's got really nothing to do with me. I'm making that about me, not about them. Okay. Right. And which is ridiculous. It's just nothing to do with me. <laughs> but I'm making it about me again. <laughs> Ego's getting again. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. I want to be cool with seeing it and it just doesn't affect them. Just like, go, oh, yeah. Okay. So would you say, like, I want to, I want to, um, I just want to see people for where they're at. I want, like, how would you phrase that, I guess? Versus mm. I want to stop judging people means I want to start doing what? <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's so hard. Yeah. Um, because these are the conversations I want to have with myself and actually voice it out at home. But I, sometimes I think to myself, I don't know how to phrase it and I don't know the right questions to ask because I don't know what the answer's. And I don't know why I keep doing that with people. And it's not fair. It's not fair on myself. 
And it's, is it the fact that maybe the fact that I don't want other people to judge me? For sure. Definitely. Maybe. Yeah. That's a super powerful insight. Yeah. Can uh, you Google what's the opposite of judgment? I don't know. I don't. What is the opposite of judgment? I like this. I like this. Um, what is about ignorance? That's the opposite. What is the opposite of judgment? Ignorance. Indecision. Interesting. That was not what I was expecting. Um... Being non-judgmental means that you don't see something as good or bad, right or wrong. Instead, you just oh, observe neutral. it or experience it. You don't need to make any sense of situation. Your thoughts, feelings, that's all other people's behavior. That's what I need to do. Okay. So how can we condense that? So I want, I would like, I want to, hmm, I want to be neutral. I would like to see things as there's no right or wrong. Yeah. Hmm. So I want to, I mean, to me, that says presence. That's like a not non-dual thing, hmm. uh, which says presence. I guess you could say mindful. I just want to be mindful of other people. Um, I want to... Soften it. Or great, like I, I want struggle to... with it. It's why I struggle yeah? with it because I can't, I can't really understand why I'm doing it. I think it does come from the fact that I maybe the insecurities I don't want other people to judge me. Yeah. But I also don't give a fuck. Which is really <laughs> weird. Um, I know. Well there's that's like the the unique aspect of the human, right? Yeah, yeah. You just you can have two experiences on the totally opposite ends of the spectrum. I maybe it would be that I I want to um like exercise compassion. I want to be compassionate. Because you're you're just allowing and honoring their human experience, right? Yeah, Without yeah, yeah, yeah. attaching meaning. Yeah, yeah. So it's like well, I want. Yeah, yeah. Because they should, they can have every right. Yeah, to like yeah. be like that and put that on. Is so it? if we said I want I want to be compassionate. Yeah. Because. I want to be compassionate, because everybody's going through their own shit. Yeah. Yeah, and then another way to kind of supercharge that would be like, well. What if I was compassionate? What if I What if I am just neutral when I see people's Instagram pages? Non-judgmental. What if yeah. I'm not judgmental? So you just add like the what if yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, this practice is called what if the good stuff. Yeah. And because a lot of times we're like, oh, well, what if I get fired from my job? Or what if my boss, you know, wakes up and says he, he doesn't want to give me a raise or, you know, whatever. What, all of those, those mm. the negatives. People usually are what ifing the negatives, like, oh, what if I, what if my boyfriend breaks up with me, you know, all that type of stuff. Well, we want to train our mind to look for the things that are good. Well, what if I can be more compassionate? What if I get a raise? What if I, and then your brain starts to search for that solution. It opens it up for more possibilities. So it's like, oh, well, what if that does happen? So for example, um, so you said, I want to be more compassionate. What so how does it feel when you say, what if I was more compassionate? Say it out loud. What if I was more compassionate 
and non-judgmental. How does that make you feel when you say it? It feels good because I feel like I'm I'm taking... It doesn't mean anything anymore. When somebody puts something on, I'm just like, it's cool, you're going through your own human experience. Yeah. I don't need to attach myself to it. When I'm attaching myself to it, to other people's human experiences. Good that, Yeah, 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 that was solid. (laughs) It feels good, that. Cool, I like it. I get it. I love it. It's just I've never known how to, like, it's hard and it's to get the questions and rephrase it, but by sitting with myself and going through this and asking the right questions and just going a couple of layers deeper. By going a couple of layers deeper, like you said, you supercharge it, don't you? Definitely. By asking those few questions that get into there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, a lot of people are scared to do that. Yeah. Like they are scared to really look inside and mm. know the phrase, know thyself. That's so powerful. Cause a lot of people don't, they don't know who they are and what they want and why they want it. They don't have those answers. Mm. And so by just examining that or like exam, you're like, why do I yeah. judge people? Maybe it's cause I don't want them to judge me. That's like really powerful because a lot of people don't have the courage to, to do that, to yeah. self examine and stuff. So I commend you for that. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, you've had like really, really interesting people on your podcast and you do a lot of really varied things that are so cool. To be honest, I mean, a lot of people say to me, like, just, you know, how many numbers of you on your podcast and all this? I'm just like, I don't do anything, the podcast just for myself because I want to learn and I want to explore and I want people on who's going to change my perspective, you know, by you just giving me that tool and that gift that you've just given me. I can now go and use that in my thing. Looking for the people watching to get found cool or numbers, whatever, I'm not asked. But I literally just love talking to people and just learning. Is that why you started the podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And that's why I'll continue to do it because I don't even monetize it. People yeah. say I want it. I'm just like, I'm not in, I'm not doing it for that. Yeah. If, you, if people, know, the people who really know me know that I am not doing this for fame because it made my worst nightmare. <laughs> people recognising me because I just, I don't want that in my life, but I'm, I'm doing it for the people. I want other people to, I get so many people watching it and just saying, oh, I've got so much value from that. And what I'm just like, that's why I'm doing it. That's cool. That yeah. See, that's an excellent why. You're yeah. like, I'm here to provide value yeah, yeah. And, and help other people. Yeah. And... But so, I get that from having so many varied people come on the yeah. on the podcast. I know you've had really interesting people, yeah. so I feel very cool yeah. <laughs> to be to be among them. So, it's the mindset you. stuff I love. You know, I, I love people with uh, different backgrounds coming with like different aspects on on uh, mindfulness and stuff. And what what I think is also super interesting about like mindfulness um, or any profession really yeah, yeah. is that you'll usually find that that person was the opposite or like they, so for example, for me, I came into this because like I, I wasn't a very confident athlete to start with. I didn't have any sort of mindfulness practice and yet that's where a ton of my interest lies. So you see like this pendulum switch going from one to the other and then all of my energy is kind of here now. (laughs) So it is interesting how people get to where they're at and, um, so I, I love that you shared that. Like, I'm here because I'm super interested in having these conversations yeah, yeah, with people. Yeah. And It always comes from insecurity, doesn't it, usually? Yeah, The definitely. best people, I think. Yeah, definitely. And trying to, like, overcome that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. powerful. It's definitely powerful stuff. And so they, 
they probably had a mindset shift and like you said, well, there's still like little Tim over here. Oh yeah, he's still <laughs> it's not still sorted. there. Yeah, I'm still, still... I'm still talking to him. I still I'm yeah. still talking to him. Telling... Which which probably will be the case for you know the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. realistically for most yeah. people that's always going to be there. I, I, I um, went with my friend last night and we did like a cold water dip in the in the pitch black. We set a fire up and stuff and we got a stick and we popped some petrol around it and walked into the thing it was just like really tribal and stuff that's so and cool like screaming, i love that screaming and stuff yeah um it's just i feel just there's layers upon layers upon layers upon layers like i went to see a counselor and my counselor gave me a gift of saying that you were abandoned as a child um and, and i broke that i fucking just like me i just went in the bin and I thought that was it. I thought, right, okay, cool, done. I'm kind of fixed now. But <laughs> nah. And then there's a layer under that, and a layer under that, and a layer under that, and a layer under that. And I'm just, I'm just keep going and keep doing the work, and just keep showing up every day. Just keep doing it, keep doing it. Um, um I heard some interesting stuff about like ancestral, yeah. and and how that type of stuff carries on. And so that's what we were doing last night. Oh, really? It like just, that screaming. We were like screaming in the water. That's cool. Just. Pitch black. Pitch black. Just with a hand torch. So how did that feel? Amazing. Just like... Freeing. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Super just that cool. barbaric yaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Savage, maybe. Sav- yeah, like proper savage. <laughs> yeah, it was mint. Have you done anything like that? Have you done anything sort of like sort of tribal, um, you know, ancestral mushrooms, anything like that? So I've done um, like some of like the chanting type stuff I've done yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would be totally interested in doing that. But and that's freeing too. Just even like the chanting and like allowing yourself to like, yeah. yell and release that kind of informa- uh, information. Yeah. Release that feeling because it's like I think we spend a lot of time maybe not watching what we say, but you know you're like in public. You got to carry yourself a certain way and. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be just like screaming at somebody when I'm mad at them. So a lot of that stuff we like hold inside and so to mm. just release it in that way, I can imagine like was so freeing last night and, and you're like in the dark. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> How cool yeah. that must have been. Yeah, well, the friend of mine, he's like, I don't know, he's just been given a gift. Um, he's a healer and we went up and you do, he, he knows every single like sort of like mantra and mm-hmm. so we did the Ganesh mantra, which is kind of releasing obstacles for a bit. Then you sit for silence for a bit, and we did a bit of breath work, and you can feel it coming up, and it sits there. So then, when you get in the water, you just kind of release it all like that. It's that is amazing, sick. isn't it? Fascinating how some people have, you know, come to the planet in this iteration, whether you believe in that or not, and. They are at just a higher well, level it, of consciousness. It's, it's next level. Honestly. And like, but that's just like how they are. And yeah, they yeah, came yeah. to the planet yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. type of stuff fascinates me too. It's just it's so like, in tuned. Yeah. Everything. But in my mind, that means that they've been here multiple times, right? And they've yeah. learned a ton of stuff and they come to the planet and they're their mission is to help others and pass on this information to show what's possible. Mm. But it, it always blows my mind when someone's like, that's them like they're not putting on a front and like being overly happy and it's fake like that's them and that's how they are i'm always fascinated by those type of people and they do they just have this like intuition and this knowing and 
they walk the planet differently. They just walk the planet differently. <laughs> that blows my mind. Walks the planet differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing to be around the, the energy and stuff, be around him. Um, you know, he, he meditates for like seven hours. Yeah. Like just, I'm just like, fucking, wow. I've done some really cool, um, so at like the Dr. Joe stuff, you do a ton of meditation, but this season before my Olympic year, I was meditating. I would wake up. I still will do this from time to time, but I was waking up at 3.30 in the morning. I would meditate for anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours. So I would meditate seated guided meditation for an hour and a half, and then I would get up and go and do a walking meditation which is so powerful. You should definitely do it. <laughs> what is it? Um, I'll send you some, I'll send you like some guided ones that are walking. It's funny. Cause if you do it in public, cause there's parts where you like stand, you just are standing still I'm and close your eyes. And, um, but it's super powerful because the whole purpose of doing a walking meditation is that a lot of people, when they meditate, they'll meditate and it's great and it's wonderful. And then they get up and they go about their day and they revert to their old self. So the whole point of doing a walking meditation is like, well, can you open your eyes and walk like that, right? Can you walk and be this person that you're trying to be in a meditative state and have that compassion, oh, <laughs> have that compassion. Send me the link. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so cool. It's a, such a powerful How experience. long are you walking for? An hour. It's an hour of meditation. Shit. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do an hour to start. No, I'll like, definitely do an the, hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's meant that. I've never even thought of that. I've never yeah. even thought of that. It's super cool. It's, it's like, just finding different ways into it and seeing what you suit. Because there's so many forms of breath work. There's so many forms of meditation. You've got to find the one that suits you. Because yeah, I was an individual. Sure. People try pushing it on you. Oh, you need it. I'm just like, no, just experience everything to see what works best yeah. for you. It's like having like a, a smorgasbord of stuff yeah, you yeah, gotta try. Yeah. And that's the same for 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 anything like training programs and meal prep. Like what works for you might not work for me. Like I'm half your size. <laughs> so like yeah. things just aren't gonna be a one size fits all and it's just finding what works for you. And is that really what you I mean, that's essentially what you do for people, isn't it? Is, yeah. is kind of seeing what suits best for them. And so when we go into some of the like like, for example, like I am compassionate because I, I would ask you, well, what do you prefer? Do you prefer saying I am compassionate or do you prefer saying I am not judgmental? Like what is, I, I'm not here to tell you yeah, what yeah. the right answer is. I'm here to guide you and help you. But like, bad that, Annie, I do feel like I need to say more non-judgmental than compassion because it doesn't feel right for me, my yeah. identity. Non-judgmental seems like it hits me. And that, so that's what's like, that's what's right for you. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's a, I, I think a huge blessing in like being a guide for someone else is that, like I said before, they're not lacking this, they're just blocking it. And you're just showing them the power that they have innately. And like, we all have this power within us. We all have it. And it's based off of the stories that we tell ourselves and what we're programming our subconscious mind with. And that's what we see reflected in our reality. And so like we have that power and it's just a matter of being shown that. And like you said, what works for you is you would prefer to say, I am not judgmental. That works for you. And like, okay, that's awesome. And I'm glad that I'm glad we found that out today. <laughs> it is cool, isn't it? Yeah. Super cool. Do you not work with athletes? Um, 
other people apart from athletes? I do. I do. My, my primary interest is, is in athletes just because I feel like I have a lot to offer from just my personal experience. And like I've competed at the highest level. I've won world cup medals. I've set track records. I, you know, I've been a national champion. I've been a national champion in two sports, but I also have failed at the highest level. I haven't made an Olympic team. I've crashed in races of, you know, I've experienced the, the wide array of things that could happen to somebody, which I think makes me very relatable. Like I can relate to somebody who's starting out and they're at the bottom of their team and they want to be number one. Like I can relate to all of that. And so uh, and, and I just, I know what it takes in terms of the, the training and the sacrifice and all of that that's unique to sport and like the short window that someone's athletic career usually is. Like it's usually not their entire life, right? It's not yeah. a, I mean, unless you're Tom Brady or something, <laughs> it's usually a short window for some people. Maybe they're just going and they're playing at university or then it's not usually a long-term thing. So I feel like I can provide a lot of value in the athletic arena. I feel like I provide value everywhere, yeah. but my like, you know, bread and butter is within sports. That's your thing. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest hurdle you've had to overcome? Oh, this is good. So I had um, blood clots prior to the 2014 Olympics yeah. and um, it was caused by a birth control and it I almost died from it. And so I went from being, I had just won national championships for skeleton and later, like months later, I got, I started a birth control and I had been training, uh, six days a week, sometimes twice, twice a day. And I started to have difficulty breathing and I went to, we do a combine test, which is basically, you know, doing sprints and lifts and all that type of stuff. You're just being assessed. And I could not even breathe and have a conversation with somebody. I I, like jogged a lap around the track to warm up and I couldn't speak because I was having such a hard time breathing. I somehow finished this combine. I had the highest combine score. I don't know how, if you told me I had to repeat it in those same conditions, there's no way I could. So anyway, I ended up having, um, blood clots in my lungs and they told me, you know, you may never be an athlete ever again. I was the season going into, um, prior to the Olympic season. And so I had to sit out for a whole year and that was like the biggest mind fuck because it was like, well, I went from training six days a week to, I was in a hospital. I was bedridden for a week. And when I got out, I was allowed to walk for 10 minutes a day. That was what I was allowed to do. So it was a huge contrast, right? you like at the peak of your like athleticism and I was that was the strongest I have ever been I was like the strongest the fact I felt so good at that time and then it was like you can walk for 10 minutes a day and I was in and out of doctor's offices I was basically in there and there's like geriatric patients so that the contrast was so difficult mentally and that's also probably where my interest in mindset came in because I knew it was really important to have a goal and have a vision for me returning. Um, cause at the time they were like, you know, you might never be an athlete again. And I was like, well, no, that's not true. And there might be examples where 
that really isn't true for somebody, you know? So it may be that you don't return. But for me, I knew like instinctively that that was not true. And so I had to keep this vision of me returning to sport and competing alive. I had to, and that that's what I was feeding myself. I was like, I am, I'm, I'm still an athlete and I'm super powerful and, you know, X, Y, and Z and feeding myself these positive thoughts because even though my reality was not reflecting that, that was like the most difficult thing is to hold on to this vision. And when your reality is not saying that, and I think that is really hard for people in general to be like, how can I hold the faith that this thing that I want is there when my reality is not reflecting that? And so uh, Napoleon Hill said, the greatest application of applied faith is learning the art of keeping the mind focused on what it is that you want. And that takes a lot of self-discipline. And um, that is probably the biggest challenge that I had to overcome was that. And coming back from being a national champion, going through the whole recovery of having blood clots and having something wrong with you that people can't see, which applies to a lot of people with like mental health issues and, and all of that. Um, and then coming back from that, and I was like barely making the top 10 in skeleton because skeleton's really unique where you're only competing from October to March. So you can only do your sport in a six month time frame. And so if you're not doing the sport, people are leapfrogging you because they're getting more reps than you are. And so that was one of the hardest. And then also, um, so during COVID, because I'm in the military, the army did not let me compete the, the season before the Olympic year. And so I went from being, I was uh, eighth in the world. I was number one in the US and I had had like the best season of my career. So my, I was trending upwards or I was trending and I wasn't allowed to compete. So I had to basically sit at home and watch someone else take my spot and not be doing my sport. And I did a lot of, you know, mental like visualization and stuff, but there's a lot of nuances to skeleton and just being in a rhythm. And, you know, you wouldn't see someone be like, oh, you know, I'm just going to take the season off before the Olympics. I'm feeling really good. Like, they're just not going to do that. And, or like, I'm a surgeon, but I took a year off. Let me go back and expect to perform the same way. It's, it's tough. I'm not saying going to say it's impossible. Nothing's impossible, but it is tough. So I felt when I came back from that, uh, the rhythm and just the, that momentum of being at the top of my game wasn't there. And I think that's what triggered that mindset to be like, well, I need to make this Olympic team, you know, and that's what kind of made me revert backwards and be like, well, I should know how to do this on my own. And that was the other thing. I wasn't using some of my my mental performance coaches because I felt like I should have known how to do this because I've worked on it for so long. Yeah. And so I would encourage people like, a coach always needs a coach. You like, you're never going negation acknowledged. You're you're the value that you get from utilizing mentors and support is is so so great that you're unlikely to be in a position where you no longer need it right like we're always improving we're always trying to get better and so 
for me, I felt like, well, I should know better. (laughs) I'm stressed and I, I, I should know how to re like recalibrate my mind here. The ego gets in the way a lot. Yeah, totally. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it on my own. And, um, and that's why I didn't make an Olympic team because I, and so that's why I think like I can provide immense value for somebody and being like, all you need is someone to just give you a perspective shift. That's it. It's just a little shift in the right direction. And, um, that was the toughest thing to come back from that and be like, um, blood clots was number one. And number two was coming back and being like, fuck, I'm not where I was. And, and how, ha- and holding like the attachment to that. And there's a lot to be said for detachment, the yeah. value of detaching from outcome, controlling what you can control. And then also just having a growth mindset versus this fixed mindset of, I have to be doing this. And if I don't, then it means X, Y, and Z. So those are the two things. Long story short. <laughs> it's really, it's good that, isn't it? It's just like, you know, from people wanting to, you know, you coach them, you know, coming from that, they kind of go, I need that in my life. People are so there, aren't they? They need to look at things And you, like you're that. like providing a bird's eye view, right? Because yeah, yeah. we just like have tunnel vision on the things that we yeah. want or even stressors in our life, whatever it may be. Hmm. And just someone being like, oh, well, this option is right over here. Yeah, Did you yeah. know that? Like, it's just a perspective shift. And it's so valuable. You can't, you can't replace that. So if people want you to find you and use you as a coach, how can they find you? So I'm on all social media as at the Savage Meglet. Meglet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Meglet, kind of like Piglet, I guess, like a small Megan. (laughs) And uh, I don't yet have a website. Maybe we should chat about that. And um, yeah, so that's probably the easiest way. Or Megan at SavageMeglet.com. You can email me. So... When they message you, who, what type of people do you want messaging you? Ooh, I like this. This is a good question. Yeah. Let's see. I would prefer highly committed, high performing people. Yeah. But I also think that I can uncover that for you. If you think that you have the potential to be high performing and high committed. Yeah. Because... Um, I want committed people, not just interested people. Yeah. I want committed. I can say that in you, Megan. <laughs> I don't think you'd have the patience for people who were not. People have asked me like, well, why don't you just like. destroyed. <laughs> why don't you just be a personal trainer? And I'm like, no, I don't have the, I don't have the yeah, patience yeah, yeah, for yeah, that. Like, yeah. <laughs> but um, there's value in it. There's value in it. That just not, was not my calling. So, um, but I, like regardless there's a part of me that always wants to help like they I, I really i just feel like i can provide value to anybody so it's just a matter of like reaching out to me and seeing if we're a good fit you know i'm not going to discount people but we might not be a good fit i might not be the right person to help you so um yeah if you're basically not committed do not <laughs> message meg because she will destroy you <laughs> <laughs> Megan, thank you for coming on. You're an absolute legend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>